This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. us at NBC Sports as we take over coverage of the NASCAR schedule at Chicago Land. To thank all the hardworking folks behind the scenes, we had a NASCAR-themed barbecue on the NBC Sports campus today, and the folks at Stuart Haas Racing were nice enough to loan us Kevin Harvick's car for the day as well. It was really fun. Welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One, Carol Lamano, alongside our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett, and we have Landon Castle and Nate Ryan joining us from Burton's Garage. There was a dunk tank out there. Did yes. you get in there? No, but I paid my money in case they said you were going to be up there, and I'd already put my money up so I'm oh, ready to throw and see if I, I can knock have, you down. I must have showed up a second too late. Um, Landon, don't lie to us. Have you ever done burnouts in the parking lot here at the office? <laughs> <laughs> no, was that you driving and doing the burnouts? <laughs> yes, yes, it was, it was. Um, all right, let's get to our poll question of the day because we've got a really busy show. So we've got 10 races remaining in the regular season right now, gentlemen. So the question is, how many drivers will earn their first win of the year over those 10 races to join the six who have already locked down playoff spots? So you can go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote right now. Some folks on there already uh, sending their votes in. One seems to be the consensus and none, actually, right now. Yeah. It's pretty split. So um, keep voting, and we will bring you the results later on in the show. Meanwhile, here is what's on tap for today's show. We have Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni joining us live as NASCAR heads to his hometown to kick off the NBC Sports portion of the schedule. We're going to look at the drivers whose performances at Sonoma might have been overlooked in today's edition of Running with the Pack. And we're also going to hear the best sounds from Sunday's race with Scandal Sonoma. But right now, let's hear from the tandem who utilized a unique strategy to grab a win in wine country. Cole and I have a great relationship. Um, I never question him when he's calling races and when he has, uh, you know, things going on when he's talking to me in the car it's just okay yes yes or it's yes or no answers for me um so yeah i mean he told me to pit and i was like okay i'm gonna pit and then he said don't pit so i'm like fine i'm just gonna stay out you know caution could have came out and we would have been you know snookered the other way so it's uh yeah we got a good relationship and we get along really well and you know i think uh you know when it comes to these races calling strategy you just got to make the best call you can at the time and, and that's what we did it's a recipe for disaster you know, because we've seen it before. Guys have codes, and then they call it out, and the guy's like, "Oh, what the hell? I thought it. I thought it was the other way." And they screw up. So we don't do that. We just we do what we do, and uh, you know, we tell each other what's going on, and we play off that. But today it was obviously a little bit different. But they had some insight that I didn't know about. Uh, I called him off the last second. As far as he knew, we were pitting. You know, we're. Uh, I'd like to say that we're smart enough to use codes, but we're not. And we probably would screw it up. We're in California. They went to acting school this week. They were in L.A. for a couple of days on the off weekend, <laughs> learning how to do screenplays and such. <laughs> so Landon and Nate, um, DJ and I talked a lot on the show yesterday. We had Steve Letard on our crew chief about what went into making this call. But Landon, describe from your point of view how good of a crew chief Cole Pern is. There, he's, 
He's really smart, obviously. The one thing that really impresses me, and I see it in that press conference right there, is how how he understates himself so well. And and even even then in the press conference, did they really have a code or did they plan that? <laughs> or really not? got a straight answer. Yeah, you, you just don't get a straight answer out of him. He's not a, such a cocky guy that goes, yep, you know, I planned that and we did. He, he, he kind of keeps himself under the radar, and that's really cool. Another thing about Cole that I like um, that I think helps him look really smart as a crew chief is that he is in an environment that really empowers him to make risky decisions and bold decisions. And you see him making those moves in a lot of cases of just he's the guy that stays out. He's the guy that's off sequence. And at Furniture Row, you've got an owner who is funding the team through his company, um, self-sponsored, self-owned. It's a not a huge corporate environment with a lot of um, heavy upper management. And I think that Cole has a lot of job security in, in, in a way that, hey, he can make bold moves and win races from it. Yeah, and I, I think what's also good about Cole, uh, Landon, you mentioned that he's got that self-deprecating style. I think that disguises how intelligent he actually is. I wrote this week that I think he's the smartest man in NASCAR. And I think normally it's because he does the opposite of what other people are doing. That's furniture racing style. They're very unconventional. They're based in Denver. They're a single-car team where everybody says you have to have multiple cars to be successful. They have a bunch of you know misfits that nobody else wanted on their team. And the soul of it is Cole Pern. And I think... The genius of what he did at Sonoma was it wasn't about just doing the opposite. He had to essentially get Rodney Childers to do the opposite. Normally, he can just react and do the opposite of whatever the other crew chief is doing. In this case, he essentially had to, like, put in Star Wars terms, it was like a Jedi mind trick he played on Rodney Childers and saying, this is not the pit strategy that you want. Use this other one, and then I'm going to pit eight laps later and win the race. And I think that's the genius of Cole Pern. Yeah, we've seen... We've seen uh, drivers try to fake people out over the years and come into the commitment cone and swerving back and forth. And now you have the crew chiefs and the engineers with way more tools than the drivers have ever had. And now they can be the ones that do that. And I think, it, it, in my mind, this is kind of the first time that we've really talked about this at length. But these crew chiefs, they're doing this a lot to each other. They're trying to, but it takes someone like Cole Pern to be smart enough to really pull it off. Nate, the smartest title in NASCAR, that's obviously big territory when you look at some of these other crew chiefs, Rodney Childers included. That moment at Sonoma, was that what solidified this for you as it relates to Cole Pern, or is this something that you had seen flashes of um, ahead of time that led you to make this decision going all the way back to the championship? Yeah, no, I think we've seen it before here, Carolyn, that he's obviously always thinking outside the box, and I'm not a big fan of that cliche, but there's no other way to describe it, Landon. With Cole Pern, he just does things in a way where he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. You know, Landon talks about he's he's you know not really telling you if they spoke in code or not, and you could look at that and say, ah, you know, is he really that smart? He doesn't care. Uh, Cole Pern only cares about winning, and I think it's that relationship that he has with Martin Truex Jr. and again the rest of that team. There are a bunch of guys who are really just outsiders who other teams didn't want, and they've all found a home in this unconventional place in Denver, Colorado, and it, they've turned themselves into champions. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I agree with Nate. This, this is no su surprise, the way that he strategizes races. As a driver, uh, I know that when I see that 78 car leading the race and the caution's out, um, I can't tell you how many times that I've needed a wave around or something like that, and I see the 78 leading the field, and I think, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a wave around because if there's anybody that's going to stay out and mess up my wave around, it would be the 78 team. They will stay off sequence, or they will... Um, do something like that. So he's, it's, it's definitely not new. It's just really cool that we got to see it work in a way uh, that, that 
provide a great entertainment for the race. It made a, a great race in a, in a different fashion than, than a typical road course race that we see. Yeah, and I'll speak first to speaking in code, and I can speak firsthand of this. That doesn't work very often. We had a code, and I needed something to remind me of what the code was that we were using. So, yeah, that, that's just a recipe for disaster there. Right, but Landon brought up a great point, too, uh, about their, the car one, Barney, Barney Visser, that, you know, he owns it, uh, he sponsors it, and, and all he tells his guys is, do whatever it takes to win races, and that's all I want. So that opens up a, a great book for a crew chief in a situation like this to gamble as much as he needs to. And this isn't unprecedented. We've seen this basically now with this win at Sonoma on Sunday. That's about the fourth time just in the last year that, that we've seen him do these type of things. Uh, you go all the way back. Uh, to Kentucky last year where they did th things a little bit different uh, as far as staying out there and, and having a big lead, then had a restart that he had to get the job done late because of this caution right here. So it, it looked like that maybe this call here was going to backfire on them just as a caution could have backfired on them at Sonoma, but this crash solidified it for him. So he's not afraid to take these chances. Uh, they did it again at Watkins Glen uh, with, with different strategy there and saving fuel. He takes the lead, but then after he builds up a lead, they tell him to start saving fuel. He has to start letting these guys go back by him. And he said it was really one of the hardest things as a driver he's ever had to do. And that is one of the hardest things. You never want to back out and let your competitors start passing. But as they had to go to pit road for fuel, then he found himself back in the lead and, and eventually won the race. So all of these things just play out in a good way for him. But, so that's four times in, in a little over 30 races, and that's a pretty good average uh, when you look at percentages in this. Next thing is, is he willing to do this when we get into the playoffs? That's what I want to see next because he is uh, very confident, he's very sure of himself, and he seems ready to take that fall if, if, and if things happen. And, and I think that he has a driver that's willing to back him up too. Even when things don't work, uh, Martin Truex Jr. knows that he's put himself in a position enough times that he's willing to take these chances and go down that road with him that much. Yeah, I don't know about code, but I agree with you. When I see Cole Pern in that press conference in the video that we just showed, I see a very, very confident crew chief evidenced by all the success that they've had. But having this whole package where this group considers himself an underdog and has had the ability to do things the way that nobody else is doing them, Starting with Barney Visser, how rare is this opportunity to just have the green light to say, you know what, however we want to do it, we're doing it that way? Oh, it's great. You know, you know it's just a feeling that you have some independence there that a lot of others don't seem to have. Is it is it rare? Yeah, very rare. Yeah. Very rare in the sport. Because, I mean, we don't see just a single car operation win races, much less win championships as, as these guys have done. So, uh, yes, it's rare. But I think that... What it does is just opens up opportunities for them because they have no one else to answer to with this, and and they really embrace that. And, and I think as a driver from that standpoint, you really appreciate you, you've got a fast race car and you've got a crew chief willing to take chances. That's a fun combination. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I'll just I'll speak to DJ's point real quick here, Carolyn. That Barney Visser had the opportunity to be based in Charlotte, and there were many people I think who tried to convince him to move to North Carolina, and he just said no. I want my race to be based in Denver. And I think everybody thought he was crazy. 
But here we are just a little bit more than a decade later, Landon, and they've proved that they can do it in this, again, unconventional way that has won a championship. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the job security that it gives the, his employees. He makes a heck of a commitment to go to people and say, I want you to, I'm going to help move you out to Denver. I want you to work on this team. I mean, that just shows a tremendous amount of commitment. DJ, I liked how you mentioned something about uh, Martin and his sort of, uh, the, the way he'll back up his crew chief. And Martin said it in the press conference uh, that he never second guesses Cole. Uh, it, that inspired me as a driver because I can tend to second guess my crew chief too much. And, and that's not just on race strategy, but sometimes when he says, hey, we want to change the right rear spring, and I go, oh, but I feel like the left rear spring needs changed. I think that just seeing that reminds me that, you know what, you really got to trust those guys that are on the box. They got way more information than I have as a driver, and, and you just never know what they're really thinking of, and you, get, you got to stick to your plan as a driver and, and stay behind the wheel and let them make those big calls. All right, use this show as an opportunity to work on your trust issues, okay? Just <laughs> yes. trust us. We're going to take a commercial break when we come back. It's a great we, counseling we, session. We have got your back. Um, we are going to revisit all the action uh, from Wine Country and Sonoma when we come back. Our scandal, which includes that game of trickery and also a couple of rude hand gestures. Watch. He started up front, we started in the middle, and we already passed him. He's flipping me off. Ah! Well, you're getting ready to be flipping him off. Damn it. Boot up. We, uh, of course, support car. Go two-stop here, so just run as hard as you want. I kind of let everybody down there. Apologize. That's all good, man. All good. Gabriel, that's all that matters. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. This day in NASCAR takes us to Sonoma two years ago when Tony Stewart outlasted Denny Hamlin in a thrilling last lap battle at Sonoma. Hamlin passed Stewart on the last lap, but Smoke bumped him on turn 11 to take the lead. This was Stewart's 49th cup victory and ended short that he would compete in the playoffs in his final season as a driver. And on that day, Stewart Haas Racing savored some of Napa Valley's best wine in victory lane, and Kevin Harvick continued that trend the following year. This past Sunday, though, Stuart Haas's bid for a three-peat was foiled by some trickery, courtesy of Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern. So here's how that call and more went down in today's Scandal Sonoma. Gorgeous day here at Sonoma Raceway. High temp around 80 degrees. Hi, buddy. Beautiful day to go win a race here. Hey, Michael, this is Chip down here at turns 10 and 11. You got me, buddy? Yep, I got you, Chip. Got that southern growl. Try and keep one helmet on today. Keep losing hair every time you change helmets. All right, bud. We'll take care of them tires for a few laps if you can. And uh, have some fun. Green flag is in the air. Martin Truex Jr., the leader now over A.J. Allmendinger. And 11, they're absolutely murdering me. He wants to free you up a little bit on the uh, right-handers. Yeah, and I just need everything to last longer. I feel like I'm using the right front tire too much. We're not losing brake pedal. You ride the pedal with your left foot? Yeah, I'm trying it. Track our help, Andy? Hell no. He's flipping me off! Ah! Uh, you ready to be flipping him off. He's flipping us off. He gets out of me. He started up front, we started in the middle, and we already passed him. Oh, oh, oh no. no! That yeah. sounds terminal. Damn it. Blew it up. That's on me, Doug. Tell me about your car when you get a chance. Just don't understand how I can try and take care of my tires 
so revealing to me, DJ, because it's a peek inside the driver's mind. Clint Boyer sounded like he was at our NASCAR on NBC <laughs> barbecue. I mean, he just seemed about as cool as collected. And then you've got these other drivers who are dealing with issues on the track, and you just hear the anxiety. Yeah, you know, the great thing is the drivers don't think every week when they're in the car about who's listening or what they say. They're just saying what's on their mind right at the time. And the road courses have become second only to the restrictor plate races where drivers get more mad at each other than anywhere else. And it's just great to hear that emotion come out in them. But the other thing that strikes me is just we talked about Ryan Blaney yesterday, but the job he did of fighting a car for as long as he did that had no power steering on a racetrack that is so difficult anyway, just unbelievable. These things are so much fun. I look forward to this every single week to see what driver said something and is that going to ball over into the next week. Yeah, possibly. it is. It's a great preview for what we might see the following yeah. week. And we get to scan the whole field, which is fun because we've really been trying to highlight drivers who may not get as much attention during race coverage because of where they are on the track. But we can go back and scan the radios. And we've also been doing this thing called Running with the Pack, where we highlight some drivers that might not have gotten the credit that they deserve. So, Landon, who is your pick this week for Running with the Pack? I'm going to go with Chris Buescher in his 12th place finish. I thought he had a solid day. Um, you know, his teammate is A.J. Allmendinger, of course, and, and A.J. is an animal at these road courses. 
Uh, but but Chris just put together a solid day, and, and he's a good driver at Sonoma. I, I worked with Chris uh, when I drove, when we both drove for Front Row Motorsports, and I can tell you that I'm pretty sure that he still holds the record in the Ford simulator for the fastest lap uh, at Sonoma. And I could see working with him in the simulator how good he was at these road courses for a guy that doesn't have a road course background. I used to use his car as a chase car in the sim to help my laps at Sonoma uh, because his line uh, was just better through turn 11 than mine. It, he got through turn seven really well. He got off of turn seven really well. So I like how he runs. I feel like he's a good um, guy with with this running with the pack segment because he outperforms uh, what he has a lot of times. And, you know, JTG just announced, uh, or Brad Doherty, we saw him on, on Sirius XM this morning, talking about how they made a purchase of an optical scanning system, which I think is going to greatly improve that team's performance. So yeah. uh, that, that's a team that is probably going to keep building, and, and I think Chris Buescher is a good driver for it. That, that certainly would help. And Buescher, of course, Landon, known for his oval prowess, my running with the pack guy, also not a road course guy, that would be Matt DiBenedetto. Mm -hmm who finished 17th at Sonoma after starting 30th. And that is the ninth time in 16 races that he's outperformed where he qualified. So I think that's significant. I th think that tells you how good Go Fast Racing is at making the most of what they have and how smart Matt Benedetto is in driving these types of races. He said before the race, he knew he wasn't going to be fast. He just needed to kind of keep things clean and just get to the finish. And that's what he did. And even though he's not always a star on the track, Landon, he is always a star on social media. And I appreciate that he tweeted that he knew that if you had him on your fantasy team, th this was a coup for you. This was a win to get a top 20 finish from Matt DiBandeno at Sonoma. Hey, just quickly, uh, Landon, you mentioned that optical scanning system. For somebody that may not know what that is, what is it? <laughs> yeah, that's, How is it I'm helpful? sorry. That's, yeah, that's, that's the inspection system. Um, that that we have to that NASCAR uses to inspect our race cars on a race weekend, and it basically scans the body and says, "Hey, your body is out of tolerance here or within tolerance there." And and the biggest teams have all purchased these things, and this is a a four hundred thousand dollar purchase we've heard. Um, and and you have to have someone that operates it at your shop. And these biggest teams have been using it to optimize. Uh, the way they build their cars. And for a small team like JTG uh, to make that investment, I think it's something that is a, a very bold strategy uh, to improve their performance. And, and I just saw that this morning and, and thought, you know, that's, that's pretty darn cool for them to do that. And, and they're going to they're gonna be even closer to all the NASCAR's tolerances to, to get the most out of their cars. Yeah, that's cool. DJ, yeah. who are you picking? Yeah, and to add on to that, if you're leaving something on the table uh, by not being right there on the edge as the bigger teams are, uh, then, then that's hurting your performance against them. And, and I'm going with somebody that his team's only run – or ran their seventh race at Sonoma, and that's our colleague Parker Kligerman. What a great job he did. He's an outstanding road racer. He has that background, but he's a, a good racer everywhere that he goes. But he ran inside the top 20 most of the day, and as I said, you know, they've only run seven times this year, but he kept it on the course, and he did a great job all day long. And when you take uh, a car and a team that hasn't competed that much and, and do all of this, that, that just shows the talent that Parker has. And, you know, I just hope that this leads to more opportunities for him. We like to, to work with him, but I'd rather watch him race because he's outstanding. Yeah, Landon, we love to razz him, but you guys have said this place is not easy. Yeah, it's it's not easy at all, and I love I love Parker's road course background and his passion for road course racing. And I talked to him before he went out to Sonoma, and he was like, "Man, what what should I expect?" And I'm like, "Expect a racetrack 
where you feel like stock cars don't belong on this <laughs> this very technical, slick, you know, elevation changing track. It, it it feels like they don't make enough grip. You're always sliding around. And for a guy like Parker, that was his first time at Sonoma. And it's easy to feel lost out there. You know, you don't get a lot of practice. Qualifying comes up fast. And next thing you know, you're in the race and you got to chase down you know, the, all these drivers and keep your fenders on it and survive the whole thing. And I thought Parker did a fantastic job. I agree with that one, 100%. Yeah, my, yeah, my first time, I thought it was more of a dirt track than actually <laughs> pavement. Yeah. That's a good way to describe yeah. it. Yes, hats off to our guy Parker. Coming up, um, stage racing, we know, played a very pivotal role Sunday at Sonoma. How much will this type of racing impact the playoff picture going forward? A whole lot. Our analysts are going to talk strategy for that when we come back. Get excited because on Sunday, the most popular driver in the sport for well over a decade, Dale Earnhardt Jr., trading in his helmet for a mic. He is going to join our team for the Monster Energy Cup Series race from Chicago Land Speedway. That is Sunday, 2.30 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. We cannot wait. And Jr. and the rest of our team could be taking the reins at the start of a very dominant run for the 78 team. Looking ahead at the next six cup races, Truex has been the most recent winner at four of them. He has won the last two races at Chicagoland Speedway. Keep that in mind. Truex, of course, one of six drivers to have virtually locked up a playoff spot with a race win. And while he was busy adding another five playoff points to his column Sunday, there were some other elite drivers collecting stage points to build their cushions above the playoff cut line. We did spend a lot of time on yesterday's show talking about this, DJ, as well. So without rehashing all that, what I want to do now is push this points conversation forward. We know that points was a big story coming out of the weekend. We saw elite drivers battling for stage wins. What happens now? What is the strategy? What is the sense of urgency? Yeah, well, the strategy has to be that if you're in that position and you're gathering points, and I know people hate to talk points racing, but that's what you have to do. Right now, the focus is how do we make the playoffs if you're that team? If you're inside that top 16 right now, then you've got to figure out a way. how do we stay there? If you're outside, what can we do? And the only way that you can make things happen, you know, obviously winning takes care of all of that. But we've seen that Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, and Kyle Busch and Clint Boyer uh, are pretty set on letting the rest of the field battle for stage points and, and as many points as they can gather because, you know, they've won 12 of the 16 races here. So they, they make it difficult. And so when you look at all of this and think about it, how do we go about getting those stage points? Taking chances to get yourself inside that top 10 at the end of these stages, that's the best way to gather points. Chase Elliott's a perfect example of what he did on Sunday. We pointed this out a little bit yesterday, but he put himself in a great position uh, by gathering as many points as he did. He actually made or, or garnered the most points of anybody in the race. He had 49 points because of the stage points that he got. Uh, he finished fourth and second, I believe, and, and then he finished fourth in the race. So he had a great day, and, and that's what you have to look at you can't wait till five races to go here and say okay now we've got to start uh, points racing you have to start this weekend at chicagoland and there's a lot of these teams that are going to have to figure that out it, you, when you look at it it's going to be difficult to outrun those guys things aren't just going to change and happen overnight where you can do that yeah you've got a race coming next week at daytona where anybody can win this race and they all go there knowing that may be their one opportunity but this is what chase did and you can see the difference that he's made and and the reason that they're having the points race is because they had 45 points and penalties uh earlier yeah. this year so that's uh, set them back and they've had to do this if they continue at this pace then they might be able to open things up a little but that's your best and easiest way to try to go at 
easy for me to say, but very hard to do. But but a, a good race car will help you be able to make those type of adjustments and go gather as many points as you possibly can each week and get yourself in a good solid spot. So Landon and Nate, if we pull up the playoff picture again and just kind of take a look at what everybody's dealing with here, who in your mind is in real danger when you look at the right side of the screen here? Well, for me, Carolyn, like I, I look at anybody past Stenhouse and Menard there in 18th uh, position, Landon, I think at that point you're not points racing anymore because Daniel Suarez, 73 points behind the cut line, that's more than a full race of points he has to make up. And I think we've seen a lot the last two races of crew chiefs being very hesitant and cautious and conservative because they're worried about points. We saw that at Michigan. We saw that at Sonoma with you know A.J. Allmendinger's team playing for stage points when really I thought all they had to do was just play for a win. I think we will see more teams from 19th on back just play for the win at this point because, I mean, what are you doing if you're trying to points race at this point in the season? I think you got to take chances. Well, they're, they're going to go to Daytona, and, and I, I think at this, this point a lot of those teams that you're looking at are maybe banking on, okay, Daytona is kind of our last wild card race before the playoffs start where we can try to steal that win at Daytona. Uh, but from that point on, there's there's only a handful of weeks left until the regular season is over, and they know the speed that they've got. There's there's not going to be any major new development pieces for those teams coming down the pipeline. The cars are already allocated to the races that they're going to go to, and I don't know. I think that the the stage points is is going to be their best bet. And if you're within 50 points of that cutoff with five six weeks to go, you're thinking, okay, how can I score? two or three stage points per stage or, or per race uh, for the next six races. That, that gets me halfway there. Um, and, then, and then if we just run a little bit better, if we, if we minimize our mistakes, if we don't speed on pit road, if we don't tear up equipment, um, it can improve our finishing position by two or three or four spots per race over the next six weeks. That gets us the other half. Um, I, I think that it's a matter of just stacking those pennies as opposed to going for the Hail Mary to get a win. Is there any reason to think, Landon, that people that are rooting for Jimmy Johnson and some of these Hendrick drivers to have some kind of late-season resurgence are going to be able to have that? Because you just mentioned, like, the cutoff point where teams have to go, okay, like, we need to make this happen now on points because we don't have an option. Is that going to be something clear-cut that we can see? Or do you think – and, DJ, I can bring you in on this too. Like, what do you think about the Hendrick and Chevys and getting it together at the last minute here? Or is this going to be continued dominance from the four cars that we have seen the entire season? Well, I can tell you if I'm Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse, um, even really William Byron, you know, a rookie driver, even though Jimmy Johnson is his teammate, you're probably already counting on Jimmy Johnson to make the playoffs – one way or another, right? You, he's either going to win a race. Um, and so I, I'm, if I'm looking at that lineup, Jimmy is somebody that I'm thinking, I don't want to be racing against him uh, for a final playoff spot. I think he's going to be in already. I'm looking at some of the other people that I have to race against for that playoff spot. <clears throat> Where is their speed at? Uh, where do we compare to them? And how do I need to strategize the race to make sure that I'm getting those stage points instead of them? I, I just think if you look at the Hendrick cars right now, Carolyn, if you look historically – they tend to roll out their, their race-winning cars at playoff time. We saw that last year at Chicagoland Speedway with the Chase Elliott car. Uh, I don't know if Hendrick can do anything right now, but just points race, as DJ said, up until the regular season cutoff and then hope that you bring up the, the next iteration of race cars that are fast enough to win. Yeah, and I think looking at the Chevrolets in particular, and I think Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canal showed us 
Sunday at Sonoma, they're looking at points right now. They know they need a little bit bigger gap before they start trying to do some things and probably a little bit more work with their new Chevrolet uh, to make sure that they can do things. I will tell you this. I think I don't expect a lot from other than Kyle Larson. He's been the one driver in a Chevrolet that has shown he can compete uh, up there. Uh, so he may do that this Sunday at Chicagoland. But I think Kentucky offers the next opportunity. After Charlotte, the Coke 600, which was run at night with a cooler racetrack, the Chevrolets performed a lot better there. Everybody thought they had fixed everything. Then we have a couple of day races they hadn't fixed anything. And so I think that Kentucky coming up on a Saturday night may offer them another opportunity. They will be better, and I think by the time they get to the playoffs that they might have winning race cars, but they got to get into the playoffs before that really matters. Yeah, all right. We have Pete Pistoni from SiriusXM's The Morning Drive on tap. He's joining us live next uh, this weekend. NASCAR invading his hometown of Chicago. I wonder if he's ready for that. We're going to get his take and also ask what the fans are saying about Sonoma when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. This Thursday, the latest edition of the Dale Jr. Download TV show right here on NBCSN. It is a full half hour from Jr. every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. right here after NASCAR America. So we hope you enjoyed last week. You'll be with us again for that in a couple days. Meantime, let's welcome in Sirius XM Radio's Pete Pistoni now. It's Channel 90. Um, what do the fans want to talk about on the radio, Pete, after Sonoma? Well, certainly, Carolyn, the uh, domination, again, that's been our theme here in 2018 has been a topic of conversation. It seems like every other week, right, we've got Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, or this week Martin Truex Jr. in victory lane. And, and that's a theme that I just don't see going away anytime soon. I look at the rest of the races here, certainly in the regular season, and for that big three, like we've been calling those guys, I don't see the Achilles heel anywhere we're going here from now until the end of the regular season that we're not going to see those guys have a big chance of, of winning again. So I think some of the fans like that, but quite frankly, guys, I think other fans are a little tired of seeing the same people in victory lane all the time, and they're hoping that somebody can rise up and maybe steal a win. And I think there was a lot of letdown from the fact that Sonoma, where we figured like road course racing, a little bit of a wild card, we didn't get that this past week. And Truex Jr. was out there with the great strategy, of course, from Cole Pern, but a very fast race car. And went out there and put number uh, win number three up on the board. So uh, that that domination team certainly has uh, got the fans talking. Hey Pete, how about that call that Cole Pern did make? Whether the fans talked about that as far as really outfoxing the rest of the competition, especially his closest competition uh, with Rodney Children, Kevin Harvick. Yeah, I think a lot of the fans DJ like that. You know, that's the, the head games, the strategy, the chess match. You know, uh, that, that is uh, the, the offense pulling the defense way off sides in football, you know, and, and playing that gamesmanship. I think a lot of the fans like that, but I'll be honest, guys, I think a lot of the other side of that conversation with the folks that have called our show, they miss a little bit more of that rough-and-tumble physicality that we've gotten out at road course races in the last few years. It's funny, we didn't get it really at Martinsville back in the spring. We didn't really get it at Sonoma. And a lot of folks are wondering out loud if stage racing, which, again, I think most people have embraced. I certainly didn't like it at first because I'm a traditional guy, but I really thought it was a good addition to the NASCAR world. I wonder on road courses if that's impacted things where strategy now really becomes in the forefront and takes the spotlight. And we lose a little bit of that beating and banging that most of the fans seem to want more of. Is that something that you thought about as well at any point, watching the 
the road course and how the stages played in? Yeah, I, I did look at that, and, and so I got to thinking in my head and, and thinking about the numbers and and could we have changed? Can we change uh, the the number of laps that are run in those first couple of stages to make things different? But that would have kind of put everybody still at the same thing because you were looking at 30 to 38 laps where everybody was kind of in that window. So it would be really really difficult unless you just made them uh, basically to where they were all pretty much even through that, and, and that would open the strategy up a little bit more. Maybe get some of that that racing back that the fans are looking for because that's what's made road course racing so popular yeah. recently is because the drivers are beating and banging. Yeah. Pete, we know you're a Chicago guy. For the last seven seasons, we've really kind of considered Chicagoland as the playoff opener here. Does this feel strange to you at all that now this is a regular season race that potentially has serious implications for the playoffs? Well, you know, it's almost, though, I, I agree with you, Carolyn, but DJ will, will know what I'm talking about. It's sort of a return to the roots of Chicagoland Speedway. When we first came on the schedule here in the Windy City in 2001, we were in a July race. This was a July stop here, and then it got to be the first round of the playoffs. So it's going to be different this second half of the schedule here with, you know, starting Sunday uh, with Chicagoland and where Indianapolis is now, where Richmond is in the playoffs and the road course. This is different going forward. And I think this weekend it's going to be hot here. Obviously, in July in the Midwest, you're going to get some hot temperatures. And I think with that surface at Chicago and Speedway, which is the original surface, that could play into, I'm hoping, some pretty good racing where we see these guys slipping and sliding around the racetrack. And I know drivers like to do that, DJ, so I hope we get that on Sunday. Yeah, it's a great point. Pete, quickly, before we let you go, uh, what do you have coming up on the show? Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about on TMD a little bit of the Chicago history of of, uh, racing, and we'll preview the weekend. And I got to tell you, my mother's been making lasagna since Memorial Day, so I need to bring some trays out to you, FEC guys, when you take over this weekend out of Joliet. Absolutely. Brownie points for Pete Pistoni. Thank you so much. We'll hear you on the radio. We appreciate it, Pete. Thanks, guys. Um, Coming up next, we're going to make a social pit stop, including the latest activity from Indianapolis Motor Speedway and something very special that Clint Boyer received in the mail. Really sweet. Back right after this. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Superstars Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard returning to star in the next chapter of one of the most exciting movies in history. You can see the movie event of the summer right now. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is in theaters, so head on to the movies if you are into it. Meantime, let's make a social pit stop. Over the weekend, Hall of Fame crew chief Ray Evernham took part in the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. So, DJ, this is a single-car time trial, basically. Yes. 156 turns, and it finishes at 14,000 feet. Yeah, so, like, very high-risk reward. Yeah, <laughs> Ray was a really good modified driver, but uh, did well in this. But, uh, again, very nerve-wracking. This is a 1936 Chevy sedan nicknamed the Ghost. And Ray actually won his class. He placed 18th overall out of 73 competitors. So, congrats to our friend Ray. Um, earlier today, Indianapolis Motor Speedway revealed the construction of a quarter-mile dirt track inside of Turn 3 at the famed Brickyard. The new dirt track will host two night USAC events to kick off the Brickyard 400 weekend starting on September 5th. The event also going to honor the late Brian Clawson and feature the richest purse in midget racing history. And Clint Boyer just continues to be a fan favorite both on and off the track. Earlier today, he posted... Uh, this do we have let's throw it up here if we can yeah here it is Um, sometimes you get fan mail that just makes your day Thomas thanks for giving me your special Olympics medal 
that you won in floor hockey. Your inspiration was just the motivation I needed. And if you want more on that special story, go to NBCSports.com because Dustin Long actually found that fan and talked to Clint Boyer, and he's got a great um, article up there now. Um, a reminder also about our poll question today. How many drivers will earn their first win of the season over the final 10 regular season races? One, two, three, four, more, or actually none at all. You can also go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR to vote on that. We're going to bring you the results in just a minute. But before we take a break, we did want to bring you the latest on Performance Racing Network broadcaster Wendy Venturini. Wendy sustained multiple injuries after she was struck by a car while jogging on Saturday morning about 10 miles from Sonoma Raceway. Her husband, Jared, released an update and said that they are hopeful for a full recovery in six weeks. He said she's a fighter and that they're very confident that the setbacks are going to make her stronger. So we also have an update on her condition from Dustin on NBCSports.com slash NASCAR as well. And we wish their family the best as Wendy continues to recover. Don't forget, Wednesdays with Dale Jr. We are following Jr. around tomorrow as he visits New York City ahead of his big debut in the NBC booth. Plus, he's going to explain why his 2005 win at Chicagoland is a very meaningful one for him. That is at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. 2018 proving to be a season of firsts, actually, yep. for NASCAR on NBC. We've got Junior joining Rick and Jeff and Steve in the booth. And we've also got, did you know about this, a new opening theme. Heard about this. Yeah, ZZ Ward putting a spin on a rock. Unroll Classic. Here's a sneak peek. Bad. New and exciting, something to kind of go along, bringing Dale Jr. in. But I think the drivers, and when we were doing the marketing game, I think that they really embraced that. So uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, be I can't a lot of wait fun. to see the full version of that. You know, um, we had to initiate ZZ, and what we did was make her talk to Rutledge Wood. which well, is doesn't uh, everybody have to? That's, um, that's quite the initiation. Let's take a listen to how that went. ZZ Ward is here performing an amazing song. I want to know for you, what has it been like to have all these fans in there screaming, all the drivers? What's this been like? It's been awesome. It's an honor for me to cover, you know, a Tom Petty song and one of my favorite songs and uh, we all miss him. So it's, I feel really lucky to also be doing it with NASCAR. It's just, it's, it's a magical experience and it's been going great. I mean, running down a dream when you guys hear that kicking off before all the races and then see all the drivers, they have had a great time uh, in there with you. You met Dale Jr., Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace sat in on the drums for yeah, a little while. It's pretty amazing. I didn't know that they were so multi-talented to be able to like jump up there and start playing instruments. It's a big deal. And I wonder, have you ever been to a race? Because if not, we, we're going to have to take you. I've never been to a race before and I would love to go. I think I'm just going to get so into NASCAR now because I just, I'm all about it. So it should be cool. It's going to be huge. And everyone's going to see you every single week on NBC when the races kick off zz ward's going to be there and guess what now we're going to have to get her to a track it's going to happen absolutely and did i landon did i see that relish wood somehow found a way to make a cameo in our open 
I thought that was drivers <laughs> only. How on earth did he sneak in there? <laughs> he see he always does. I I like two things. I like the Kyle Busch air guitar. That was phenomenal. And I did like Bubba playing the drums. He's a great drummer, and he posts videos on his Twitter all the time. Um, he's he I, I I definitely looked like he had some fun. I just I love Tom Petty. I, I know you know being your age, I'm sure you have lots of Tom Petty albums in your collection, but. Huge fan. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard that song before. <laughs> oh, Maybe. Landon. Oh, Landon. That cuts Sounds like, like a knife. DJ might like. That cuts <laughs> like a knife. Um, let's take one more look at our poll question. So the question, of course, how many drivers going to earn their first win this season over the next 10 races? Hmm. Uh, Landon, who, what was your pick here? How many races did you think it was going to take? I, I think one. I, I think at least one, uh, one driver. I'm surprised that we're looking at 58% with none. I think yeah, that's I that's kind of crazy to me. I, like, you look at Chase Elliott hasn't had his first win yet, and he's he's got a lot of second-place finishes. Yeah, I mean, that seems like wishful thinking. And it's also kind of funny because you most of the social media reaction I got when I tweeted out the fact that this was the first time in 40 years and only been six winners through 16 races was, we're the winners, we want more winners. But according to the results of this poll, I guess people are good with zero. I would say two and I would take the under. I, I, For some reason, I just think like half the field this year is probably going to get set on points. Yeah, I'm at one, and I'm taking the over on it. What yeah. do you think, DJ? I, I'm in there, too. I, I'm with Nate there. I, and, I, you know, it's going to be tough to beat these guys. You know, those four that have won, what, I think 14 out of 16. But here's the thing. Daytona, we're going to have a new winner at Daytona. It's going to happen. There's too many good plate drivers that, that haven't won yet that are going to find themselves in that position. And Kyle Larson is going to find a way to win uh, in these next 10 races. You really think that one of those guys isn't going to win at Daytona? Uh, that, yeah, I, I think they're not going to. Yeah. All right, should we finalize? I mean, this is kind of a joke to finalize the poll, but everybody's <laughs> saying none. I don't know that that surprises me that much, Nate. I mean, given the dominance really? that we see, 14 out huh. of 16? I mean, I just think the writing is on the wall this season so far, and I guess we still have 10 races to go, but for me, I don't know how you can counter-argue that those four dominant drivers, I'm putting Clint Boyer in there, um, aren't going to dominate the next 10. I haven't seen anything to the contrary. Have you? I just thought there'd be like 30 other fan bases out there that would come out and say, no, at least my guy's going to win. I'm surprised there are that many people who are just resigned to, oh, no, nobody else is going to win yeah. the rest of the way. Well, I'll jump in your boat just a little bit, Carolyn, and I think that, that the new winner might come from a luck win or a weather or a strategy or a super speedway or something like that. You know, it is going to be hard to beat these guys that have been fast. Yeah, okay. All right, that's going to do it for us. We are back again tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern. Remember, a special edition of Wednesdays with Dale Jr. We're getting so excited to take over the coverage this weekend, and Dale's going to be all around New York City. So a great episode coming your way tomorrow. We will see you then, same time, same place, and we're looking forward to Chicagoland this weekend. Enjoy your night. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.